Look, if you had one shot or one opportunity to seize everything you ever wanted in one moment, would you capture it or just let it slip? Yo. His palms are sweaty, knees weak, arms are heavy There's vomit on his sweater already Mom's spaghetti, he's nervous But on the surface he looks calm and ready to drop palms But he keeps on forgetting what he wrote down The whole crowd goes so loud He opens his mouth but the words won't come out He's choking how? Everybody's choking now The clock's run out, time's up, over, loud He snap back to reality Oh, there goes gravity, oh, there goes gravity Choke, he's so mad but he won't give up daddies He knows he won't have it, he knows His whole back to these ropes, it don't matter he's he knows that, but he's broke. He's so stagnant. He knows when he goes back to this mobile home, that's when it's back to the lab again, yo. This old rhapsody better go back to this moment and hope it don't do better. Just out in the music, the moment you want it, you better never let it go. You only get one shot, do not miss a chance to blow. This opportunity comes once in a lifetime, do better. Just out in the music, the moment you want it, you better never let it go. You only get one shot, do not miss a chance to blow. Baby got them open all over town Strictly bitch, you don't play around Cover much ground, got game by the pound Getting paid is a forte Each and every day, true play away I can't get her out of my mind I think about the girl all the time East side to the west side Pushing fast rides, it's no surprise She got tricks in the stash Stacking up the cash fast when it comes to the gas By no means that bad This is your boy, Sam. It's me, Chanel. It's me, MCDP. Oh, my goodness, y'all. I am so excited. Y'all don't even know. Look, let me tell you something. I don't normally smile. I know y'all know I don't smile, especially with my Invisalign in it, because I told you my teeth and they're having in uh, Zoom meetings. But I'm telling y'all right now, I'm all teeth. I have not been this excited about a guest in a long time. Matter of fact, I can't wait for y'all to meet him. So, um... I've been working with him for a little, just a short period of time, but when I tell you that I get excited about educating, I get excited about learning something new, I have been in the educator business for decades. And I promise you, 
I feel like I've seen it all. I've done it all. But I promise you, I don't feel like I've seen all and done this. So I'm so excited for y'all to meet our newest guest. Um, we normally start with a little bit of a roundtable. I'm excited to bring him on, so I don't want to be remiss. Anybody got anything new they want to share before we get started? Come on, y'all ain't dead weight. I know y'all, it's been a week since I've seen y'all. Somebody give me something. Oh, man. I can't start because I just talked. That is correct. That is correct. Hey, you know. I'm uh, trying to get adjusted to this daylight saving time. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> you look a little sleep. I forgot, basically. Oh, man. Oh, man. It was rough on me today. Yeah. For real. You had dance rehearsal today, too, MCD? Oh, my God. <laughs> he said, "Oh my God!" Okay, all right. Well, we're gonna give you a break on that little note right there. All right, <laughs> Chanel, you got anything new before we add, Because once I let him in, you know we will. We're just gonna let it. We gonna roll with the punches. I will say this, okay. audience members, please, if you have questions, just put it in the chat. We will monitor this. Somebody else says, "Lips galore." Said, "Work, work, 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 work." Uh, work. Um, <laughs> anything new, Chanel, that you want to share? Look, I mean, we'll wrap up at the end, but for right now, right. Um, for right now, I'll just try to say, you know, I've just been being in a positive, positive mind space, mind space, no matter what my circumstances look like, you know, no matter anything, just staying in a really positive mind frame. Love it. I'm happy yeah. for you because I keep yeah. trying to tell y'all everything is happening for you and not to you. There you Come go. on. All right. Even when you don't like it. Even when you don't yeah. like it. Yeah. I said, you anything? Because I'm, I'm trying to rush you because I'm trying to get hey, to look. All I got is I've been getting a lot of auditions, y'all. They've just been flowing in all of a sudden. So, hey, I'm thankful. Okay. okay. All right. So just so y'all know, I'm not the only one who's been working with this gentleman that's about to come on. Said has too. And um, Kira has been doing some, has been reading his book. It's a lot. It's a lot to unpack. But I, wanted, I want y'all to know that there is more out there. Um, so I want y'all to know I'm excited because... I know everybody's been in acting classes. Y'all got apples, you've got oranges, you've got tomatoes. Not tomatoes, I'm a girl. What, what uh, pomegranates? Well, I'm about to get y'all some more fruit. <laughs> All right. Yes. So, without, is it okay? It's okay. It's okay. Yes. All, right, it's okay. So, All right. All right. Without any further ado, I would like to introduce Mr. Richard Sorrell. So, I'm about to click the button and let him in, and then we're going to make it happen and give him a round of applause. All right, so guys, me, I just picked the button and I want you, would like for everyone to welcome Mr. Richard Sorrell. And he can tell us about his credentials because I got it wrong. Y'all, I said he was over in the UK. He not. I just be making up stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to welcome you to Real Talk with Rowan Said. And if, as you can see all of our names, but you you know me and Said and you have Chanel and MCDP and uh, DJ LaFay is having technical issues. Welcome, welcome. Yeah. Welcome. Hello, welcome, Richard. Hey, welcome. Welcome. <laughs> What um, a lovely welcome! Thank you very much. Uh, yeah, I'm uh, I'm talking to you from the land of the Woiwurrung and Boiwurrung uh, people, right? Because <laughs> this continent that I'm on was, has been occupied by a civilization for forty thousand years, and the Europeans only uh, um, arrived like two hundred and thirty years ago. And so um, we are now slowly, very slowly, inching our way to um, a recognition that, that there was something before us. Okay. And so there are lots of stories for us to find out about. And in fact, I didn't get the name right. One of the groups is Boonwara. Um, and, uh, yeah, so there's 
much for us to learn about the history of this continent, which we don't know because we think we're it. And I find this really interesting because um, I have always been interested in story. And so there's a whole new dimension of stories um, for us to learn, learn about. And, uh, and in fact, Aboriginal people are making a huge impact on um, uh, television and stage and dance performance now, now over recent decades, but it's been very slow coming. Okay. So right. I, um, I have never trained as an actor. Um, I was interested in acting at school. Um, but I found it too scary. Okay, now that's fine. I think I'll be a director. So um, I left uh, school on uh, in Perth, which is on the western side of this continent, and came to Melbourne, which was the second biggest city at the time, and is heading towards being the largest one now. Mm. Um, and uh, worked, um, started work at the um, uh, at the National Broadcaster, which was the Australian Broadcasting Commission, and I slowly worked my way up to. Uh, not so slowly, really, but to be a director, because in those days there was no training, you learnt on the job. And when I started directing drama, um, I discovered some things about actors which I found surprising. Um, uh, one of the things that I found was that when actors came in to my audition room, one thing they were really bad at was changing. So they'd come in with, with their preparation mm -hmm. um, and when you suggested that you know this was maybe another way that the scene could be done um, they didn't argue about it they went yeah great and so their first line was incredibly different and the second line was a little bit different and the third line was back on the tracks that they'd organized and you'd seen before and so I started to learn fairly quickly that you no know, I wasn't going to hire actors that couldn't change because I couldn't direct them Mm -hmm. wow. and, and, and the other thing that um, I discovered just by watching what they were doing was that they didn't listen very well. They acted listening. But they actually, very few of them actually listened. Mm -hmm. and they generally had no idea about story. And they didn't think about where their character fitted into the story and what their character was contributing to delivering the story because... No, the, the actor has two jobs to do. Um, uh, one's to be believable and the other one's to deliver story. And mm. the reason that, that you've been hired is that because a producer or, and a director have got a story they want to tell and that you, the actor, are the main tool for doing that. So my direction to start with was, was all intuitive because there was no training. You just made it up as you went. Um, and um, I did okay, but in 1984, um, I met this fabulous man called Murray Hutchinson, who was a New Zealander, who um, was brought to Australia to work at the Australian Film and Television School, and he ran a four-day workshop which changed my life. And it changed my life because he explained Stanislavski in a way that made sense. Mm. I understood it. Like, at that, that point, I'd, I'd read An Actor Prepares twice and been incredibly inspired by it and totally confused. <laughs> and, and I've had hundreds of actors who've done their university studies and had 
those processes explain to them say exactly the same thing. I don't know what to do with it. But I was really um, impressed with what uh, Murray taught us because it was logical and simple and I understood it. Hmm. And so I started using it as a directing tool because it was so functional, it was practical. And uh, so um, what happened was that, that um, some actors started saying to me, you direct differently hmm. um, and I want to learn how you do things. And, I mean, all I had was Murray's simple um, idea, but eventually I agreed to do classes and I started teaching it and, and I'm teaching what I knew and, and how I was applying it, really. Um, and um, what uh, unfolded was I, I had to, because I wasn't a teacher, I wasn't trained at anything. <laughs> I had to work out how to explain Murray's principles as to how to use verbs because Murray taught us um, how to use actions, another Stanislavski term, to create subtext in performance. Now, I would say to you now, don't go anywhere near actions. Do not touch actions. They do not make any sense. They are illogical. They're not even grammatical, and they're not going to help you with your acting process. But what I discovered from teaching what Murray had taught me was that we had learned how to create a character. And the way that evolved was I wanted to teach actors about how to um, use verbs. Um, and so what I did to make my first class work was I wrote out a whole lot of verbs that I thought were easy to understand and easy to do. I wrote them out on cards and I'd give actors cards and get them to uh, um, use that as a trigger to put Murray's process to work. What happened was that after a time, people started saying, the list of cards is really good. Can I write them down? Um, and, uh, and then I started to produce a list. Now, eventually, um, that list of verbs has ended up there in that circle. And now I say to actors, when you're creating a character, you do not need to use any more than the 13 verbs on that list. Mm. Now, Murray's process, the formula he gave us, was so that you could choose any verb in the English language. Um, and, and he gave us a checklist so you could work out whether it was going to work on it. I still use that checklist. That checklist is genius. It's brilliant. But I still say to actors, you don't need any more verbs than that because what actors and humans are keen to do is overcomplicate things. Mm. Right? So here's a simple equation. <clears throat> if it's easy, if it's simple, it's easy to do. If it's complicated, it's hard to do. So mm. the more complicated you make something, the more you increase the chances of you not being able to do it well. So um, what we now do is use those verbs to create character. And uh, uh, what um, I would like you to try doing is I'm going to offer you three of them. Okay. So we've got to be liked over here. We've got to dominate over here and to be respected. To be liked, to dominate, and to be respected. And what I want you to do is to... Pick just one of those 
and look at one of the faces on the screen okay. and allow yourself to know that you have that desire of them. Right? So you either want to be liked by them, to be respected by them, or to dominate them. Pick one and allow yourself to want that. And, and when I'm explaining this to actors in the first class, I'm saying, I do not want you to act it. Mm. I do not want you to demonstrate it. I do not want you to show it. I do not want you to embody it. Actors want to embody things all the time. Um, all I want you to do is to know that you want it. Okay. 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 So you've got one in place that you mm -hmm. know that you want of the person that you're looking at. Mm -hmm. Cool. So um, what we've done is what I call drop in that desire. If you now know that you want that, if it's just sitting in the background of your listening and you know that you want that. What I want you to do now is to pick another of those three verbs. So whichever one you've got, pick another one. It's either to be liked, to dominate or to be respected. And I want you to look at that same person and allow yourself to know that you now want that. Now, I reckon you've probably all achieved that outcome. Mm -hmm. It took you between, somewhere between three and five seconds and you have now changed the nature of your character. Because... If I were to dominate you, if that's my unconscious psychological desire, that's what we call it, it's not a body action, it's an unconscious psychological desire that this character has of the other character, if I allow myself to want that, that's going to set parameters on my behaviour. Because if I'm going to be liked by you, even if I've got dialogue that has me challenging you, criticising you, I'm going to do that dialogue. I'm going to challenge you or criticise you, but I'm only going to criticise you so much that will still give me a hope of being liked. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? So that my unconscious psychological desire sets the parameters of my behaviour. And it's those parameters that reveal the nature of your character to the audience because that's what character is, it's behaviour. And you can test this out, you can, uh, uh, and this is an exercise that um, I dreamed up about four years ago, um, which works a treat, um, is that if you ask a friend to describe their best friend to you on the basis that you're going to meet them um, tomorrow and you need to know what to keep an eye out for them, if you ask them that, what they'll do is tell you about the person's behaviour. So the first time... I ran that exercise, a guy in the group went, and I had no idea what the result was going to be, but it seemed like a good question. <laughs> um, I said, who's going to volunteer? And this guy goes, oh, oh wrong. He said, oh, uh, my best friend uh, always thinks he's right and never listens. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> he's his best friend. <laughs> but he always thinks he's right and he never listens. Right? Mm -hmm. So the thing that describes his best friend is his friend's consistent patterns of behaviour. It also happens to be problems he has dealing with him. And the next day, this guy said to me, you know, I was telling you about my friend yesterday, um, my best friend, and he said, you know, I didn't mention he has a massive stutter. 
<laughs> you, you think that would be something that would have that person standing out. But when he came to telling me the important things about his friends, his friend, he described his behaviour. Mm. Right? So behaviour determines character. Mm. It creates the nature of your character. And all those things that are talked about, like accent and wardrobe and knowing where you've come from and all that stuff, doesn't have anything. It has nothing to do with character. Mm. Because... Um, uh, I can be well-educated and incredibly wealthy. I wish I was, both those things. And I could still either be an asshole, which is my character, or I could be a warmly supportive. It's mm. my behaviour, not my wealth, knowledge, birthright, costume, accent doesn't determine character. Mm. Sure, it helps describe the character. All an accent does is tell me it's a label that says this person comes from Scotland or Right? It's mm. just a, a descriptive label. It's not about the character. And that Scott can equally be aggressive or helpful or intelligent or whatever. Mm -hmm. Okay. So when you're creating character, what we have discovered is that you only need those 13 verbs. Mm. They work fantastically because they're simple, effective, and you can easily drop them in and you have a total understanding of them you do not need to go away and do homework and and mm -hmm. if when you're talking about unconscious psychological desires you do have to go and do homework it's never going to work mm -hmm. and it's never going to work because you're going to have to consciously think about it <laughs> because you don't understand it and therefore um, it's going to become conscious thought process not process not unconscious mm -hmm. okay so that was one of the key things we discovered. In explaining the, the nuts and bolts of this approach to acting, um, what uh, I want to do is um, you'd have a look at a video clip that said it's going to play us in a sec, um, because um, in 2017, um, I directed an English uh, play. It was called uh, The Memory of Water. Um, at an ind it was an independent production at an independent um, theatre in Melbourne. And it was a huge success. Um, it was a success because it engaged audiences, it made them laugh, it was very funny. But it was also a success because it succeeded at doing something that I'd always been interested in. There were 11 performances and every performance was different. It was a different performance every night. In fact, I never knew what the ending was going to be because the actor who played the lead had permission <laughs> to make whatever decision seemed right to her in the circumstances in that moment at the end, and that became the ending. But even though we had 11 different endings, my story was always told. But even though there was this flexibility in performance, the story was consistent all the way. It was never in doubt. So um, the cast is that there were three um, actors uh, in a cast of six that had trained with me and understood my vocabulary and my process. Um, and there were three um, who hadn't. Mm. Um, and they had to try and get on board. Otherwise, we couldn't deliver that outcome that I so towards the end of the production, um, I interviewed a number of these um, 
uh, actors about their experience, and that's what uh, Cedric's going to play for you now. It's the Vimeo link, Cedric. I <laughs> know uh, it won't be there. It's a separate link, so it's on Vimeo. It's one of those links. I said. It's the Vimeo link. Well, while we do that, um, someone asked the question. It says, it seems like your process is data-driven, that you back <laughs> Yeah. Okay. And I think that's a, a and really good, good comment. Um, um, uh, and uh, some people argue um, that it's too intellectual. Um, but, uh, and it is because it's clearly explained, it's entirely logical, and you make a series of logical choices to set yourself up um, to play intuitively when you're acting. Well, she's, so, she, that. she likes the data driven, but she wants to know if, if once you, um, with this process, did you notice that the actors became more directable? Oh, totally. Choice? Totally. Hmm. And, and in fact, you know, what we work on in classes is constantly being able to change. And, and, and actors that train with me can make massive changes from this run to that run, right? But um, they don't have to rehearse it to get it right. They just go, oh, I see. So my character's like this. And what we'll talk about shortly is my conversation is like that. And I can change those. And now I am ready to go. And they'll make massive changes and be incredibly believable. Mm. You know, they'll deliver story and be believable. Um, with that comes from Heather. I apologize. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I can't lift my phone and do the question because it makes the, the the signal weak. So, guys, I apologize, but I wanted to let you know, Heather. Uh, that was Heather's question, and she said she'll be in touch. Good. Thanks, Heather. How are we going with the video? Um, or well, should I, we move I on? I cannot find that Vimeo leak. Hang on one sec, though. All right. Just we just will talk over you till you get it. Any more questions? <laughs> <laughs> Right, um, it wasn't in the fine. last email I sent you. It was in the previous one. The previous one. Yep, I see it. Got it. All right. We, we have another question when we come back and we'll pose that one afterwards. We'll, if we have to wait till the end, we will, but we'll get to them. Thank you, guys. See, we good? Mm -hmm. We are. Hang on one I, It's not on screen. Okay. All right. I'm getting ready to pop. play it right now. Any other sort of play that I've done has felt like taking what we've done and what we've created and repeating it on stage. They see a copy of what was created before. But within this process, we've had the ability to create anew each night and have new discoveries. I've always worked with objectives and found them very helpful, but he's much more precise and um, strategic, I think, about how he uses them. I think it's an evolved process which keeps you right on uh, not just the truthfulness of the acting but the performance and the process to get there. I think the simplest thing I've learnt in terms of this process is just the clarity of a conversation goal. I've been able to use that same conversation goal throughout the entire play. The fluidity of movement on stage, um, if you're armed with that conversation goal, enables you to trust. 
That, it's just been so empowering. It's been really great to see that the rehearsal room process can take you through that part of the journey. It's not just scene to scene to scene. You can actually craft a character's arc. The audience can sense that they're getting that experiential humanity rather than just a repeated performance of a cookie cutter craft of here's how I say and deliver these lines. It's human beings going through the complexities of relationships and surprises and trying to work out what's next. And it's a new language for what an actor instinctually knows should happen, but it kind of helps you get out of your own way. They look like they were having fun. Yeah. And that, you know, it's, it's weird. It's interesting that they look like they were having fun because that's, as actors, what we do this for, even though we're telling a story, it tends to be fun. Absolutely. And, and, and uh, yeah, they had a ball. <laughs> um, yes. and, uh, and I'll explain to you why in a second. Uh, but, but to start with, um, they all had to create characters. Mm. And, and, and we used this system to create characters. But what um, I had to do was um, explain to the three that didn't understand um, uh, the, the process, I had to explain to them Murray's formula. Because, you see, formulas are really important in the way we learn to do things. In fact, I would argue that, that everything you learn to do um, it is, probably has a formula attached to it. I mean, you, you learn the formula um, that uh, enables you to uh, understand or remember the alphabet. And you learn a formula as to how to cross the road. Mm. Everything has patterns of behaviour which mm -hmm. actually sit on, on a base formula. Um, and, and so Murray's formula is the foundation of this acting process and it's brilliant. So if you've got that graphic there, um, said we can pop that up and we can um, have a look at Murray's first, uh, or the rehearsal room first formula, but it came from Murray Hutchinson because um, it's bloody genius. Now, when I've been talking to you about um, a character's unconscious psychological desire, which is a totally appropriate name for it. It's exactly what it is. It sits in the background, but because it's a mouthful, we call it your character's need. So this is an adaption of uh, Murray's checklist um, or the verb that's going to generate your character's need. And, and, and the, the key um, element um, about this is that the most important factor, the most fundamental element that needs to be in place when you make an acting choice is that it will be functional, is that it will do the bloody job. Whereas actors get bloody caught up with being creative and evocative and adventurous and eccentric, all of which is fine, all of which is fine, but... If it's not functional, it's never going to work. So your key value hmm. is that it'll do the job. And this is Murray's checklist to make sure that your choice will work. So what he said is, in red on the left are the outcomes you want. You want your unconscious psychological de desire to be active. Because if it's not 
active, it won't do anything. Mm. <laughs> it's fairly simple. You want it to be readable to the audience. Because if it's not readable to the audience, what's the point in doing it? They need to be able to get it. Right? Mm. And the thing that makes it readable to the audience is that it's externally focused. So everything you do as an actor has to be about the person you're talking to, not about you. Mm-hmm. Which is where prehistories and things can be very destructive. Right? And, and my standard example of that is you, you watch a couple talking on the street. Now, traffic, you can't hear what they're saying, but you have a very good idea of what's going on in that conversation. And what's more, you form opinions about how that relationship is working. You get a whole lot of information out of them and they are not acting. But they are trying to affect each other. And it's that, it's that interaction when they're trying to affect each other which enables us to understand what's going on in there. See, we can't read your mind, the actor's mind. We can't read anybody's mind. All we can do is look at their behaviour and make assumptions about what drove the behaviour and therefore what's going on. Mm. So my third outcome that we want is that you want your (coughs) unconscious desire to be dramatic because that's what drives story. And we also want it to be complex. We want our performance to, to be complex the way we are in life. And Murray's way to do that is genius. You've got to check that your need, your unconscious desire is separate from the text. Because if it's in the text, everything is focused on the words and you are going to be one-dimensional because that's the only option if the words are doing everything. So don't analyse the text to find what your character's need is of the other character. Look at the circumstances and the relationships. That's where the information is. It's not in what they're saying. It's in, in, in how they're going to organise their life together. So a, a need of a student, an unconscious desire a student has for a teacher is going to be different to the desire that that student has with a mother because it's a different relationship. You've got to find that relationship in the real world, mm. not on the page um, and the final one i don't think it's murray's i think that's mine because what i learned was that if you don't understand it you can't do it mm-hmm. you know so that's what makes it playable okay so what you've got to check is when you've chosen the verb you're going to play you've got to check that it is a verb because Lots of actors' grammar is really crap like mine. I, I always say I wasn't at school the afternoon they talk grammar. Um, so you've got to check that it's a verb. You've got to check that it's externally focused. You've got to check that it's difficult to achieve. You've mm. got to check that it is separate from the text. And you've got to check that it's okay for you because you understand it. And if you do that, you'll get all those outcomes. Mm. But if you're, if you're not getting just one of those outcomes, then the level of your performance is dropping. And it might even be dropping so that it's not going to engage an audience. Wow. So um, the actors in the memory of water um, had to be aware of that and make sure that the choices they were making were functional. <clears throat> Good, thanks, Cedric. So um, that's the key to generating subtext in a performance. 
Um, and, and it's that subtext that is actually going to define your character's behaviour and therefore create your character. Now, I find that fascinating, but it's not what enabled us to do a different performance every night. Right? It's a core thing to create the characters, but what enabled us to do um, a different performance every night is what... Um, uh, Soren was talking about and what Janet was talking about is that conversation goals were the key to a different performance every night. Because um, what we've ended up doing, and look, all these things have been accident. Murray gave me that first formula. I started explaining it to people and they started going, gee, that's really interesting, that's good. Now, what about this? And as they throw other, threw other things in, you go, gee, I know, that sounds pretty good, let's try that. So we've slowly collected a massive amount of information. And part of that information has been analysing conversations and how they work. Because when you are performing, you're having a conversation, mostly. Um, and so, again, this was all by accident, and I'm going to kind of describe largely the whole package, but it never happened in one bit. It happened little bits at a time in random orders and we'd go, oh, crikey, look at that. That works. When we started um, analysing conversation, one of the things that we discovered is that a conversation starts for a particular reason. Mm. And the reason that a conversation starts and everybody goes, oh, yes, it's because I want something and I need that. And I, and I was saying, no, no, that's not the reason that a conversation starts. Sure, you do want something. Right? But the reason that the conversation starts is that you actually decide to start the conversation because how many times have you wanted <laughs> to have a conversation but not bloody have it, had it? Mm. So wanting to have a conversation is not the thing that makes the conversation happen. It's just one of the factors. The key thing is that you start it. And in life, if somebody walks up to you in the street to start a conversation, you know that they've started it and that your job is to respond to it. Mm. Right? And so you both know your roles in the conversation because every conversation between two people has an instigator and a responder. Every conversation. And the characters know what their role is. And yet actors never decide. Actors never decide whether their character is the instigator or the, or the responder. And yet it takes 10 seconds. And, and if you don't make that choice, then you are missing what I believe is a significant bit of, I was going to say essential, but it's not essential, but it's a significant bit of information that the character has. Mm. And when you put it in place, you then have a slightly different approach to how you work towards the conversation. So we discovered, firstly, that, that conversations have an instigator and a responder. But we also discovered, and this, this was a much, I know this is a much later understanding, probably about six years ago. What we discovered is that every conversation is about relationship. Mm -hmm. hmm. Every conversation. It doesn't matter whether you're talking about what you're going to have for dinner or how to find a local McDonald's. 
in the end, it's about relationship. Excuse me. Yo, y'all, that's a lot. Y'all writing this down because I got my notepad. Yes. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Wow. So what we discovered is the same thing that you discover when you uh, ask someone to describe their best friend is mm. the things that we're focused on in relationships are the bloody problems that they're throwing at us. Right? So what we discovered is that in every relationship there are issues. In a good relationship, even in good relationships, there are issues. Right? But in a good relationship, you're going, yeah, I'm not going to let that worry me, you know. <laughs> There's so many good things in this relationship, but, but you've got the issues, you know what they are. Oh, there they go, they're doing that again, but never mind. <laughs> we've got issues. And what we've discovered is that when you work out what issues your character has with the other character, you've got the core foundation that drives the reason that you're having the conversation. And again, it's not on the bloody page. And again, if you come back to Murray's formula, we originally thought it was just about unconscious psychological desires, but the genius of that formula is relevant to every aspect of acting. And so your conversation goal in the scene needs to be separate from the text. You're going to say the text. You're going to say every word of the text. You're going to deliver the meaning of the text. It's putting other things in place that are going to bring a natural complexity to your performance because our belief is that in life, every conversation um, has a form, an issue, and a structure. So over the years, people have said to me, um, I'm going to explain to you in a second, but know that there are only three forms of conversation. And people say, oh, ridiculous, Richard, you know, conversations are much more complicated than that. And because I was an amateur teacher, I used to get into arguments about it until I realized that <laughs> it wasn't a good way to teach. And so I started saying to people, and, and this was about 13 years ago, cool, I understand that you think that, but I want you to go out and watch life. And when you find that there are different forms to conversations than the ones we're talking about, you've got to come back and tell me and I will change rehearsal room process. Mm. In 13 years, nobody has come back. (laughs) But Gee, I had a job interview the other day and I used this conversation goal and boy. (laughs) And the reason that it works in life is it's because the way we do things in life, it's not an acting process. Mm. So what I'm saying to actors is you need to define the issue that you have with the other character and and you need to come up with three issues. Any character or just a friend in your life, come up with three issues that that, uh, are the most prominent things for you. Why do I go for three? Three is a very, very useful number for actors because it gives you options. Now, what you're going to do is you're going to say, okay, this is the main issue that I'm going to be dealing with with this character in this conversation. But when you get on set and when you get into the audition room and the director's going, yeah, maybe not like that, like this, you go, oh, well, maybe it shouldn't be this issue. It should be the other one. And so by picking three, you instantly generated a flexibility in what you can do 
from the get-go. Mm. So then you're going to decide, okay, which issue am I going to focus on on this run of the scene? Because you can only do one thing at a time because what psychologists will tell you is that your mind only does one thing at a time. So that's why actors who just line craft frequently don't look real because they're not staying on a consistent conversation purpose and they're not staying on a, on a consistent relationship basis. Mm. Right? And so they're moving, they're making sense of line to line to line, but they're missing the core foundation that makes them real. So what we discovered was, in fact, we discovered this quite early, is that if you are the instigator, it's a little bit different if you're the responder, but I won't worry about that today. If you're the instigator, there are only three forms of conversation. For the instigator, there are only three choices of the way you go about a conversation. They are either a battle for control, a test, or a challenge. Now, to start with, you'll go, mm, they sound pretty much the same. And, uh, but once you, as Roe was saying to start with, once you understand the definition of them with a little bit of practice, they're very functional and they're very different. In a test, you're trying to find out something that you don't know. And as the conversation is about the relationship, you're trying to find something out about the relationship with that person. You may be trying to find out whether they trust you or whether they like you or whether they love you or whether they see that you love them, but it's always about them. So a test is you're trying to find out something. A challenge is you're trying to impose something. So if I'm challenging you, and this one I always find a little hard to explain, but, but I think about that phrase we, we talk about um, people rising to a challenge. Mm -hmm. um, and so if they don't know what you want them to do, they can't rise to it. So you're challenging someone to take action to do something. So mm -hmm. rather than testing to see if you trust me, I might be challenging you to trust me because you don't. Right? So challenge is another format and the battle for control is another one, um, the third one. And, and if I'm battling for control, I want to be in charge of the outcome. Mm. It's pretty simple. Now, there's a problem with that definition. I always explain that at the start, is that the problem is that people hear the word, word battle and they see it as aggressive. Mm. But many battles for control are very gentle, subtle manipulations. <laughs> it doesn't have to be aggressive. The point is that I want to win. And, you know, I might be laughing my way through it and... Whatever, but if I want to win and I want the ball to bounce my way, it's a battle for control. Mm. So what you're going to do is you're going to pick one of your issues that you think is a sensible choice, and then you're going to pick one of the three forms of conversation which is the best way of sorting out your issue. Mm. So mm. if my issue is that you don't trust me, I'm going to decide whether I'm going to test to find out how big an issue that is, whether I'm going to battle for control to get you to trust me or whether I'm going to challenge you to trust me and I now have a conversation form. Okay. And, and when you have that, you can then negotiate your way through the scene driven by your listening to make your next decision. Yeah. So 
I had a university actor, um, a university trained actor who um, was in music theatre. And when he came to me, he was saying, um, you know, I'm thoroughly confused after three years in the university. Uh, he was in the ensemble, Mamma Mia, and he went on to play the most crucial lead character in Jersey Boys. He did 300 performances in that lead role. And Glenn said to me one night when he was trying to put all this together in his head, said, I get it. What I have to do is put myself in the same position that the character is in so that I can go on and make his decisions for him. So the most important thing you ever do for your character is make their next decision for them. And you can only make that decision then and now in the second when the line is coming at you. You cannot make it beforehand. And that's when it becomes real. So when Soren's saying at the end of that clip, you know, you're watching people making decisions and trying to work out what's next. That's why our play was so real. Like one of the reviews which, which uh, thrilled me was, we've, we forgot we were watching a play. Yeah? It didn't look like theatre anymore because they're watching and what, what was happening was happening now. There wasn't any acting. It was people making decisions now. So when you've got a conversation goal in place, and what's more, as I was saying earlier, you can switch a conversation goal to the next run, and then you're going to make different decisions because you're working towards a different end. And, and what's more, if, if you keep the same conversation goal and change your need, mm -hmm. you will listen to different things because you're now gathering different information as you do in life. So... Um, it was conversation goals that enabled us to work towards um, a, a different performance every night. But it wasn't just that, because uh, there's a, um, uh, an American casting director, has been in Australia for years, very experienced, very uh, capable. Um, and uh, having said that, I've instantly forgotten his name, but it will come. Um, and uh, he ran a an audition workshop for me once, and he had this brilliant exercise. He got actors to just choose a line, and, and when I do this in, in a class, I get you to choose a line that's got about seven words in it, and I'll see if I can find uh, um, uh, So um, I'm just going to pick this sentence out of this book, but Rose's civil rights was always behind the scenes. And what Tom, here you go, Tom McSweeney's exercise was, was you say the line over and over, but and you might not well have done this exercise, but I think it's fantastic. Um, uh, is, but you do different important words. You shift from one, one word to the next, and, and you do every word as a different important word. So the line is, but Rose's civil rights was always behind the scenes. Civil rights work was always behind the scenes. So if I do the first words, the most important word, I go, but... Rose's civil rights work was always behind the scenes. Or I go, but Rose's civil rights work was always behind the scenes. Mm. But Rose's civil rights work was always behind the scenes. But Rose's civil rights work was always behind the scenes. Mm. But Rose's civil rights work was 
always behind the scenes. Now, um, every time, and I won't go through the rest of it, but you get the point. Yeah. Every time you shift an important word in that speech, you're doing exactly the same words, mm. but it has a different meaning. It has a significantly different meaning when different words um, uh, become important. Yeah. And so my actors were never saying the same line twice from performance to performance. They were always finding, not, not consciously and manipulatively, but instinctively what the important word was this time. And sometimes what we found was we got funnier if we did two important words in a sentence. So if you're going to find a different important word in this performance tonight than you did last night, I cannot work out how I'm going to respond to you until I've heard what you said and now I know what you're saying and so now I'm going to respond. Mm. So suddenly we have a tennis match happening and, and that's a great analogy for acting, which is when you're, um, uh, you know, the, the dialogue is a tennis ball and you cannot make a decision about how you're going to play your next shot until the ball is coming at you and then you can decide that's how my actors were working. And so that's how um, we achieved that, says he, modestly outstanding success um, because um, the story was well told and the performances were really uh, believable. Mm. And so, um, uh, and, and audiences were, really affected by it. One of the reviewers said, we laughed and we cried sometimes at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but it was working to a formula. It was working to a formula that gave the actors a clear path so that they could be playful. And in fact, I didn't even lock down the blocking. So one actor, one night, one night she'd be dancing on the bed and the next night she'd be banging her head against the wardrobe or leaning on the wardrobe. One night she opened the wardrobe door and put her head in. Another night she opened the wardrobe door and got into it. Uh, every time she got a laugh, but every time she told the story because she was real. So um, the actor has... Two jobs to do, deliver the story and be believable. And you're going to be believable if you have an unconscious desire, which is separate from your conscious conversation goal, mm. right? uh, which is the one thing you're focusing on. So you're only doing one thing at once, but you have two levels to your listening. And the reason that works is because your character should be functioning on a, a conscious and an unconscious level simultaneously because that is what you are doing now. Nice. Wow. <laughs> you dropped the mic. All yeah. right. <laughs> and I've been blowing up the chat overlay. Um, I don't even know where to start because it's so many <laughs> questions. Um, and I, but I want to make sure that you have an opportunity to because two things. Guys, um, Mr. Sorrell is from the rehearsal room and we need to put his website in the chat so people can find it because there is a rehearsal room in California, but this ain't it. And I don't want y'all Googling it and getting the wrong one. So we're going to put his, the uh, the link because honestly, 
I, people ask me, how did you find them? I was like, I don't know. It found me. Um, and then I also want you to mention your book because um, some of us, Kira is reading the book. Um, and I want to make sure you have all the time. So at the end, you guys, we're going to run over about five minutes to give you that information because I'm going to give him his, all the rest of his time. So it's on you, yeah. Mr. Sproul. So well, look, the, the other thing I want to say is because we won't get through everybody's questions. But if you have a question, now you can email me at, yeah, at contact, thanks, at, at contact.rehearsalroom.com. Um, and uh, and I'll do my best to answer your questions. And in fact, there's this beautiful little uh, thing called Loom, which I can uh, record an answer to you. So it's it's quicker to talk rather than write. And um, so send me your questions. Um, I'm thinking about starting up an email list again. So if you email me, I'll put you on that email list. If I can pull my finger out and get organised. Um, but um, uh, happy to answer questions at any time. So um, do the... we added your email address to the the chat, so it's on all pl all platforms. Yes. We also added your Facebook group, um, and then said, did you have um, the the book that you wanted to share, Mr. Sorrell, anything? Uh, yes. there, are, there are two books. Okay. Um, uh, one is um, uh, How to Succeed Where 70% of Actors Fail in the Audition Room. And and that's a free download book, which um, Steve um, and Ro have both um, uh, had a look at. Yep. Uh, and that just explains that one aspect. But I, I'm in the process mm -hmm. of um, trying to get published a book which explores all the basics of the, the, um, the process, um, the things that I've talked about today and, and some more. Uh, and uh, it's at my typeset at the moment, but she's sprained her wrist so she can't do anything. That's the way. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, uh, you know, life is always unexpected, isn't it? Um, mm -hmm. but, uh, and that's called an um, acting revolution. And in fact, um, uh, Janet, who was in the cast of, that's how she found me, she was in the cast of The Memory of Water and she was the one who was talking about, she always used objectives, but, but um, conversation goals were more specific and I forgot what her word what, was, something like targeted. Um, in the history of acting, one thing has never been really... <laughs> I'm <not a> fan. <laughs> I recognise that voice. Um, uh, we were trying to work out a title and she said, Richard, this is a revolution. You've got to call it acting revolution. I'm like, oh, that's not bad. So that's what it is. Um, yeah. And it will be um, uh, perfected, uh, published. Both. Hopefully <laughs> not in the future. Well, well it, won't, it won't be perfect. <laughs> it, it'll be Let's have a look at a question. Evolving. Someone asked the question, because I don't know, for me, um, and this question came up in the, the uh, my messages, because uh, the book that we've been taught to use has that, and I know y'all know this book. Look at all the verbs we'd have to look at. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. And yep. I think that's what keeps it in sense. The actors, the thesaurus. Yes, and, yeah. and the question was yeah. that two <laughs> conflicts, they was like, based on the teachings, yours says that we don't need all these verbs. And then we've been taught, and I know I have, I can only speak for me and the person who asked the question, that we need to find the key line on the page and use that. In, in verses and so they're they're interested in learning more and so and I'm, I'm going to suggest they, they email you but do you have anything to add to that um look 
when Murray gave me that formula, right, it's got to be active, externally focused, difficult to achieve, separate from the text, and my thing, you've got to understand. It's got to be okay for you. Um, um, I use the, that when anybody comes up with a new idea, um, I use that as my starting point as a ruler to measure whether it's going to bloody work or not. Um, and, and so there's Murray's formula. Um, there are, uh, there's another thing that we always uh, uh, look at, like, is it like life or does it sound like acting? Mm-hmm. Um, and and uh, the thing is, if you put things into your process that are more like acting than life, then the chances are you're going to look like an actor and not look like a real person. <laughs> but, um, um, I am not being disrespectful of writers or the script. Right? The script um, is the thing you're going to do, and, and even though there was a considerable degree of improvisation as to how people responded in our play, they did the text every night. And it was word perfect, except on occasions where, you know, the brain, you have a brain fart um, and they don't come out quite right. But nobody was changing words to make it better. We're doing the play. So uh, when it comes to looking through and finding a word that will relate uh, and and then picking a verb that will relate to that, and look, there are clues on the page, sure. But use your common sense with them. When you go through and pick something that relates to that word in that line, then um, there's there's a high percentage chance that this mind of yours, when it gets to that line, is going to say, oh, now I have to do something special because I've got all this process in place. (laughs) (laughs) And that line is going to stand out like dog's balls. Uh, um, an, an example of that, but this, this isn't uh, generalising. I was coaching this guy in, in the UK because um, I ran a few classes for a small group of actors over there for a while. And this was a Dutchman. Uh, and he slowly put aside all that very rubbish and he got down to using a simple functional process. And the last scene he did with me, we got to the end of it and I went, I can't remember the guy's name. Uh, that was just fabulous. I just loved um, every minute of that. I mean, it was thoroughly, thoroughly believable, incredibly engaging, and, and, and I wanted to know what was going to happen next in the story. I said there was only there was one line that didn't work. Um, and I told him what the line was, and he went, ah, yeah, that's where I was doing my substitution. <sighs> and nobody had ever said that to me. And I went, all right, well, that's an easy problem to fix. Don't do Don't substitution. One of the issues here is, and, and this comes back to what, what I think Glenn's description of the acting process is brilliant, um, that you've got to put yourself in the, the position that the character is in so you can go on and make the decisions for them. And where's Sanford Meisner? Now, Meisner, and there's a lot of stuff I don't like about Meisner, but there's some stuff that's terrific. Um, and, and I think the big problem with him is tends to be the way people now teach him, perhaps more than what he did. Um, uh, but he's got a, a, a fabulous thing early up where he says, um, you know, everybody be quiet and just listen. So they're in his studio and they're listening to distant traffic sounds. And then he says to them, okay, 
So what did you hear? And who, oh, this is my makeup, I don't know exactly what it was. Uh, uh, and who heard it? Was it Hamlet that heard that or was it you? How brilliant is that? I mean, you can't listen like Hamlet because you're not bloody Hamlet. And if you try to listen like Hamlet, then you shut down a whole lot of your life experience and your understanding and of, of the way people behave. You've got to shut it down because you don't know what he did. All you can do is listen with your life experience and you are then Hamlet or whatever the character is. So as soon as you start putting a construct on like, oh, I've got to put this in place to make me like the character, then you start shooting yourself in the foot because this stops doing what it does best, which is listen and respond. Nice. It's not that bloody difficult. Yeah. Ooh, wow. I know we're over, but I want to get to this real quick and I just want to add to that. Um, I did a, one of his exercises. I'm doing one of his classes and he's offering us something that I want to make sure you guys stick in. He's offering to have a two and a half hour session for about eight to 10 actors. So you guys, if you're interested, you can let me know in the chat. Um, but the one thing he did in one of the exercises is had me do a, uh, it was an assignment. I had to do something three different with four different people. And on the, and what he came back with was a bunch of great stuff. You know, that stuff I like to hear, like it was good. It was this, it was this. And on one line he says, but it was a moment when you said something to the child and it felt like you had planned to do so. Now, he didn't know it, but I did plan to do it. And what was funny to me was today during my audition, Cedric and I did it. We had we had the take and we, I said, oh, but it needs to do this. And I did it. And I could see that I planned to do it. And I'd never seen that before in all the years I've been doing this. I never thought to look to see when it looked like I was acting. I just thought to look and see, mm -hmm. does it look good? So it did. I, when I say it changed my world, it did change my world. So I wanted to share that with you as well. Um, thanks. Uh, that, that's a, a lovely and very practical um, example. And, and when you are just listening and responding, that's when you do your best work. Mm -hmm. Because that's when you hear what's there, and that's when you address it in your response. Mm -hmm. And so what, what you're doing is being guided by your conversation goal and the need you have in the relationship, and they set consistent parameters of behaviour. And so you will find that lines come out of your mouth in a way you never thought they would, because it's the way to do the job now. There you go. Terrific. Do you all could have seen that audition. Do you want to see the, 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 there's three here in this one, in the verbal one. Um, this one says, what is the difference between a logical pause and a psychological pause? And are they synonymous? <laughs> what a brilliant question. <laughs> Um, well, well, I, I think I'd go, uh, what's the difference between a logical pause and an intuitive one? Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, and uh, actors, uh, on the whole, are fearful of pauses. Mm -hmm. um, uh, because they, uh, and look, when I say these things, this is my personal point of view from watching actors, hundreds and hundreds of actors over 30, 40 years. Uh, uh, but they're fearful of pauses because they feel when they are talking, something's happening. Whereas the reality is they can keep talking and nothing is happening because they're not purposeful in their talk. Mm. Um, and, and in fact, pauses can be incredibly eloquent. Um, but the key is you've got to go back to Murray's checklist, right? If, you're, if you paused, surely 
It's because the next decision is hard to make. Oh, that's one reason. And if it's hard to make, the difficulty is going up for you while you're trying to work out what to do. And if the difficulty is going up, the audience is going to be engaged. So if you're intuitively going, I don't know how to answer that line. I mean, I know what the words are, but I don't know how to respond to it. And you're trying to find the response. And, and here's the best I can do with the line to respond to that. Then that line will come out in a way that you never planned. But on top of that, uh, the pause will be real because you're actually making a real decision in the time and the difficulty is going up. If difficulty is not going up, your audience is bored. It's black and white. Okay. Right? So um, uh, logical pauses, you're going to be working in that conscious area rather than the intuitive one unless, and there's probably one way um, a logical pause will work, is that when I go, so do you get me? Hmm. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, good. And, and that's logical, but it's active. It's externally focused. Um, it might be difficult to achieve. I don't know because maybe you don't, right? Mm -hmm. So you can go down and tick all those boxes again. So logical pauses happen because they're logical for the character in the circumstance. The character is you. They're logical to you and the circumstances and the relationship. Uh, they're not because the actor thinks, hmm, the hero <laughs> should play. Sally's on my pauses. <laughs> okay. right, I'm going to go to the next question. And that one is from Mr. Haynes. It says, what should a talent agent look for when acquiring new talent? All right. So we're talking about new talent here. Um, uh, but look, I had Melbourne's, um, I think, most senior casting director come and run um, a session for me last term. Um, and she's fabulous and she's regularly casting uh, uh, mostly feature films in Australia. Um, but she said, I'm looking for an actor who can do five different versions of, a, of any scene. Whoa. Um, and so it doesn't matter how new you are. Mm. I think if you can do, do five different versions and deliver story and be believable, then um, uh, she's going to look at you. Okay. Um, and look, here's something to think about, which I didn't say before. If you've come up with three possible issues you have with the other character, where are we? And if you've come up, and, and if you've got three forms of conversation that you can use to pursue any of those issues, you now have um, nine options that mm. you can walk into the audition room with, which you can change between in seconds, right? But on top of that, if you say out of those uh, uh, 13 verbs, let's say nine of them uh, work, are likely to work really well. So you've got mm. nine unconscious psychological desires you've got and you've got nine possibilities with your conversation and mm. you compare any of them up in any way, you now have 81 options. Right? And you can move between them in seconds and you're not trying to remember them. You just make adjustments to the formulas. Mm -hmm. I ain't going to lie. When you said five, I did this. But <laughs> <laughs> right. now that you explained it, it makes sense because now you're saying, okay, you need five, but you just gave me 81. Okay, I can do this. Right and I, that's what I'm making. Well, Kiara says it the way that you break it down is so easy to understand and she wanted to say thank you. I mean, I mean, she's been going in because she's like, wow, I'm just sharing the conversation. You can see brilliant. <laughs> Something that 
we've never she's all over the place and she's been listening the whole throughout yes i love it <laughs> for me it has been that we're able to um have something that we've not had and yeah. and that's the the consistency of being able to change and drop on a dime because honestly sometimes we have to send two and three takes and you can tell that the take may be that instead of me doing the scene this time the first time i did it with my glass off next time i did it with glass off and as soon as you say it to uh i don't know uh not demand but uh it was the verb you used and i was like my body went to this <laughs> And then you said, oh, don't show it. Just think. And I was like, oh, OK. So I want to say thank you. I, 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 I mean, it's time, but I, I, I ask you guys a question. Go ahead. Can you tell me, um, we just did this with the people on the panel, one thing that you've learned from this session. But the other thing I'd like to know is, could you give me a number between 1 and 10 as to how logical you feel this is? Mm -hmm. um i'll i'll go first um one thing that i definitely learned um it kind of like gut punched me when you said it you said um the usage of a lot of verbs overcomplicate things good so you know yeah as an actress really i mean right and, it, very, it is um and, and i would say on a i'm sorry yeah, I was going to say, and what's the number? And, and look, what, what we're talking about is being accurate here. Um, I found numbers are really useful for actors. And I, and I can say to an actor, for example, give me a number for your psychological need on the last run. And they go, oh, about two. I go, oh, yeah, that's what I thought. How about we put it up to four and make a difference? So we've got to be honest about these things. So I'm not seeking compliments. I'm like wanting to know how it's working. What's your number? Oh, I would probably say... A 10. Mm, that's pretty good for me. Who's next? <laughs> I'll go next because I don't want nobody to steal mine. Mm. <laughs> um, I learned my job as an actor. I think I, I had an idea of what it was, but to be believable and tell a story. I didn't put the two together until today. So that's what I learned. I'm going to take away from that. And I, I honestly, I'm going to give you my number, but I, everybody knows what my number was from the top of the show. Um, hmm. 10, I don't do logic, because even when you said the number of years that the place you live in was on it, I was like, man, I'm trying to do a subtraction. I couldn't do it. So just so you know, 10 is very difficult no. to but that's what I'm I can't either, right? I can't do numbers, which is probably why I bucket up the time for this session. But <laughs> um, uh, you can use them as an actor, I promise you. Well, Kira said 10. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> I go next. She also said, I can't wait for my session in a few weeks. This is good stuff. She's like, watch, I'm telling you, she's still going. <laughs> well, I'm gonna I'm personally gonna say um what I learned is is the conscious and the and the subconscious working synonymous. Oh my gosh. And I had I've never thought about that. And 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 if you think about it, I mean, I'm just 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 going through all of the training that I've had. I've had a lot. Never, I've never heard it explained that way. So, cool. for cool. that reason alone, for that reason alone, it's a ten for me. I've never Good been job. taught this ever. Thank you. And, and look, in 1984, I came out of Murray Hutchinson's first session going. Wow, this is an extraordinary uh, um, workshop. Um, and yeah, I was kind of giving it a 10 in my mind. But the thing that I was also very much aware of 
is that all the things he explained to me, and I hope that this is the case for you guys today, is that everything he explained to me, I already knew. I just hadn't put it together that way. Oh, yeah. right? I'm not, no, he wasn't giving me things where I go, gee, that's off the planet. I just go, oh, that's great. Yeah, I, I knew about that bit and I knew about that, but I hadn't put them together before. Um, so um, hopefully uh, that's uh, done the same for you guys. It's uh, been fun. Wait, Thank MC, you. You, got, you got your number? They're trying to get uh, quiet so they don't yeah. have any questions. You can hear me? Yes, we can hear you. Okay. Um, I mean, of course, there's been many, but I think that one that really resonated with me, which is um, we hear this enough, but we don't actually actually do it. Um, listen and respond. You do your best work. And you hear that from a lot of people all the time, And but we just hear it. And again, that's another wake-up call. Sometimes for myself, I have to hear things over and over and over until it finally kicks in. And I think that's another light bulb for me. It's like, yeah, you just we're so press or I'm going to use the word press, but just so anxious to get our lines out, but we really are yeah. not listening. And when I think about a lot of my sub takes, I'm like, hmm, out of whatever amount, amount of, um, whatever amount I've had, I'm probably like, mm, probably like three out of 20, I probably really was listening. Yeah, yeah, that's very common. Um, I had a young guy, one last story. Um, I had a young guy um, who came to me at the age of 15. Um, and since then, he's been regularly uh, employed. Um, and he, uh, and generally what happens is they hire him in the first, or there was it's been at least two examples of that, but they hire him in the first series to play the baddie because he can play the baddie. Yeah. He uses those to, and, and frequently what he does when he's playing the bully is he uses to be loved as his unconscious psychological desire. Absolutely not in the text. And listen, people go, gee, he's really good as a bully, isn't he? He's really complex. Right? What happens, though, is as by the third series, he's playing the romantic lead mm. at 16 and 17 because they see what he can do and they keep giving him more and he keeps, he keeps doing it. And when he walks into any audition, he's learnt his lines, he's had a bit of a think about relationships and circumstances, he's, he's walked in and he says, G'day, um, how are you? And yeah, what beautiful day and all that. And they say, shall we run it? And he goes, okay. And in that moment, he goes, I think I'll use, he makes a choice in that moment, drops it in and goes. So he doesn't have any time to pre-think. All he can do from that point is listen and respond. Wow, mm, buddy. How brave is that? Oh, <laughs> so much for sharing it. Like, we're not in the room, but if you think about just make sure I know what I'm doing and I got to make a quick choice, I make a choice and go from there versus because yeah. here we playing everything out. We okay, so this is my hand, my moment before, I got my moment afterwards. But if you do mm -hmm. it that way, your moment before comes with, like you said, my moment before is really just choosing to engage yeah. in conversation. There it is. Yeah. And your moment before is really important. It's not that that's nonsense. It's really important, but mm -hmm. but it's got to be simple and it's got to be clear. And, and and he he could go. I don't know that he does. I think he's just got used to. Yeah, I'm going to play. Um, <laughs> but you can go. Okay, I'm going to use to be approved, and um, I'm I'm in a hurry to get to work. Go. Yes. Right. So um, uh, you can do those things if they're simple and active. And again, that comes back to Murray's checklist. Wow. Okay, guys, um, it's been fun.
Well, yes. I want to thank you. And you know, I, I will tell you, I'm I'm enthralled. I, I, I'm intrigued. I'm excited. I'm doing the class. Thank and guys, you. if you are interested in anything, we've got his email address in here. Um, please feel free to reach out to him. Um, I encourage you to do so because if you're watching this, you are here to learn more, gain more, and try to cut short, cut, cut this journey that we call acting life. I want to say thank you so much for being our guest. I appreciate you. I don't want to have the last word because I had the first word. So I'm going to let somebody else go. Okay, well, I'll say uh, thank you to you all for um, uh, participating and for the great questions, um, and uh, particularly to Ro and Sid for giving me this opportunity, which has been a heap of fun. And uh, so I suppose the final thing, which is the, the last thing in my book, um, uh, uh, Acting Revolution, is um, relax, believe, enjoy, and listen. Thank, Thank you, you very much. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. Bye-bye. Talk soon. All right, guys. Yo, that was amazing, guys. I was sitting here smiling like I just gave you yeah. showed y'all my new baby. I, I really appreciate. I really appreciate you. I'm gonna let him let you guys yeah. go and we'll talk because we ran over. Have a great one, guys. I'm in the session. <laughs>